This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Take care if there might be young people listening. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast to help parents, carers and anyone working with young people understand relationships and sexuality education. My name is Anne and I work with the Sexual Health Victoria Schools and Community Team. We deliver the Everybody Education Program to school-aged children so they can better understand their own bodies, growing up, respect, consent, reproduction, sex, sexual health and relationships. This is episode two of a seven-part series produced with the support of the eSafety Commissioner. If you missed episode one, I recommend you go back and listen. In the eSafety Best Practice Framework for Online Safety Education, there is reference to children's rights online. Young people have the right to provision, participation and protection. If schools are requiring provision of technology and participation in the digital world, how are they embedding protection? Beyond keeping passwords strong and installing content firewalls, is there any education around ethical behaviour online? In this episode, I'll try and understand what is currently being delivered in schools on cyber safety and specifically sexual content online. This will vary from state to state and between schools, and it is guided by the curriculum. Mandy works for the Victorian Department of Education, helping schools to deliver the Respectful Relationships Initiative. So she has a great understanding of what is required by schools and how well they manage these requirements. Mandy will be referring to Victorian curriculum requirements. However, much of what Mandy says is reflected in the National Australian Curriculum and will be relevant to other states in Australia. Mandy, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me. So my first question is, what sort of things are covered in the Health and PE and Respectful Relationships Initiative? And are these things mandated? Do schools have to deliver them? Yes, the Victorian curriculum is mandated. So health and PE is part of that Victorian curriculum. It's one of the learning areas. So that's mandated. Respectful Relationships is also mandated, but almost as like a separate initiative because it's not a, a separate part of the curriculum. It's not a discrete part of the curriculum. It actually aligns with a number of parts of the curriculum, mostly health and PE and personal and social capability. And when it comes to res- uh, relationships, what sort of um, descriptors are in the health and PE curriculum? So there's not really any explicit references in terms of the content descriptions and the achievement standards to cyber safety in the health and PE curriculum, but there's lots and lots of um content descriptions and achievement standards that can build that in. So if you look at the elaborations, which are just examples um, of the types of things that could be covered by specific content descriptions, then teachers can find um, some reference to cyber safety there. Mm -hmm. And under health, there's lots and lots of um, reference to safety, to respect in relationships, to, um, you know, consent, uh, those sorts of things, as well as those sort of social and emotional learning skills generally. So teachers can certainly find lots of ways to cover it, but it, if they're looking for very explicit wording and references on it, it's, it's generally not in it as much. Under the health curriculum, there are certain focus areas. There are a number of focus areas, and these are almost like 
a bit of a lens or a checklist to make sure that your health curriculum is not just, for example, only covering SunSmart or only covering food and nutrition. So there's a range of them, but two of them that fit particularly into cyber safety are safety and uh, relationships and sexuality. They do have quite open-ended wording in the curriculum, but there's lots of content there that not only links to relationships, but links to relationships online as well. Exactly, exactly. So there's those foundational skills at that early level. Um, and if we think about consent, you know, in those earlier years of primary school, for example, it's things like, you know, asking how to borrow someone's toy, asking if, you know, someone wants to play with you in a respectful way, saying no to someone if you don't want them touching your things or yourself or, um, you know, body awareness stuff, um, you know, those sorts of skills that actually lay the foundation for then sort of your friendship and relationship skills in middle and upper primary and how to do that respectfully, you know, how to be kind, how to um, be assertive when you need to, how to negotiate things with friends. And then, of course, that builds on to later to more intimate um, sexual relationships as we build up into the curriculum into secondary school. So apart from health and PE, where else would cyber safety fit in the curriculum? Well, there's definitely the capabilities that I alluded to, particularly personal and social capability, which there's a lot of respect for relationships content in that, as well as some of the others, ethical understanding, even critical and creative thinking, really thinking critically about what's on the internet and what's okay and what's not, et cetera. Uh, you could cover it, obviously, in English. You can cover it within, you know, books that they're studying and um, newspaper articles, et cetera, that sort of critical thinking. And the other two areas where it is, um, you know, there is certainly needs to be covered is the technology. So design technology and digital technologies. In design and technology, there's um, sort of some of the things that they want students to look at to take into account the ethical, legal, aesthetic and functional factors that inform the design processes. Well, ethical sort of comes in there, but more particularly under digital technologies where they're looking at um, weighing up the possible benefits and potential risks for society around different digital technologies. So obviously cyber safety can come into that. But essentially there's a range, anywhere where safety is mentioned or ethics or respect in relationships or in consideration working with others, teachers can weave, you know, that into units of work that, that, that they're doing. Just coming back to the idea of mandating. So the Respectful Relationships Initiative is mandated in Victorian schools, but not nationally. Yep. Um, so parents and carers in Victoria should expect that uh, their schools are including the Respectful Relationships program in some way. Yes, that's correct. Yep, They should be able to have confidence that their school's doing it in some way. Now, saying that, schools do it to very different degrees. It's a bit like sexuality education. That also is very clearly in the curriculum, but different schools will interpret that differently and, and do it differently. Sometimes, unfortunately, um, not a lot is covered. But respect for relationships is a little bit different because it's a mandated initiative. To some degree, yes, all Victorian schools will be doing it. Um, in what way is conversation around sexual content online included in the curriculum? So I'm just thinking if a teacher is looking for specifically teaching a session on sending nudes or pornography or exchanging sexual messages 
Is that in the curriculum? Not explicitly as an online um, reference, but in reference to relationships. Remember the content descriptions are very broad and that's why often we encourage teachers to look at the elaborations for some examples of what that might mean. And they've been written purposefully broadly so that schools in their own context can sort of, and cohort of kids can actually sort of, you know, find their own sort of target of what, what suits their needs. But the problem with that is sometimes things get missed and things like cyber safety sort of can. Mm. Um, but if we look at, say, levels nine and 10, I'm just taking from the personal social capability, evaluate behaviours and protective factors that contribute to the development of confidence, adaptability and self-reflection. Even there, you could tease out that there's, you know, issues around protective factors being um, knowing online, you know, what's okay, what's not okay, knowing how to report, you know, if, if there's a concern about posting nudes or someone's asking for something. So, yeah, it's not, it's not as explicit as many teachers would like. Do you think schools are prepared for conversations with young people specifically about sexual contact and sexual content online? I think that varies. I think some teachers are very experienced at it and do it in really well um, and really meld together respectful relationships, cyber safety and sexuality education. You know, that sort of broader sense of sexuality and relationships, they really marry that well with some fabulous sort of units of work. I think many teachers, you know, they're not trained. Even I work in um, a university, but these are only people who are, you know, prioritising health. So they're choosing these, these subjects. Uh, it's not mandated. Not all gen general teachers get this information. So it's those skills of being able to have those delicate conversations, of being able to hold that places teacher, but also really getting into some sort of sensitive and challenging areas. And I think some teachers are absolutely excellent at it and have had a lot of experience. And I think it's a lot to ask a lot of teachers who don't have that experience or just naturally have other sorts of ways of working with students and they haven't learnt this sort of way. When you say not mandated, you mean not mandated in pre-service teachers? Yeah, there's not really, you don't have to cover uh, you'd have to cover health in some ways, but because health has so much involved in it, you think of all those focus areas of Sun Smart and food and nutrition and mental health and well-being. There's a whole range of them. You know, again, you could go through your entire uni and only just touch on sex ed. Yeah. What do you think the role of parents and carers in supporting curriculum around sex, sexuality, and online sexual behaviour? Look, I think they play a, play a crucial role because it's those sorts of conversations at home, those sort of modelling of what's respectful items in the news, for example, don't shy away from that, actually have a conversation, obviously age dependent, but have a conversation with your child about, do you think that's okay? Or, you know, even using as a springboard um, shows they're watching and often content around cyber safety, sexting, those sorts of things, you know, posting photos that were taken at a party those sorts of things um, can actually uh, really, you know, be great springboards for children to actually, and young people to actually hear what their parents think about this, to, for them to be able to tease out and try some of their ideas. So I think for parents, they play a really good supplementary role in actually imparting their own values, doesn't mean necessarily children are going to take them on always, but 
literally sort of giving them a foundation for those values and somewhere to come. I think when we teach help seeking, very much teachers are trying to encourage kids to come and ask parents when they have an issue or a concern. And I know in my role with a primary school that there are so many issues with cyber safety and cyber bullying. It is just like everywhere without, you know, alarming people. And I think it's really encouraging those parents to have those conversations up front and be proactive about them. Is anything worrying you on the internet? Have you ever seen anything you didn't like that, you know, you weren't sure what to do about it? Um, those conversations need to happen earlier than parents mm. think um, a lot earlier. Yeah, mm. that's a really important role that parents fulfil. So these conversations about sex and sexuality are linked to the health and peer curriculum, but delivery can vary from school to school. Also, Mandy talked about weaving these conversations in. That's what the whole school approach is and what we and the Respectful Relationships Initiative recommend. Conversations about sex, sexuality and sexual content online can occur in so many places in the curriculum, but this requires experienced, willing, well-trained teachers. Mandy also mentioned safety and ethics being a feature of the digital technologies curriculum. So are cyber safety programs covering information around sexual content online? Here's Beck Martin from Evolve Education. Evolve delivers cyber safety programs to students, mostly in primary schools. So, Beck, how much specific information do young people get about staying safe online at school? So there's currently no real comprehensive online safety curriculum used in Australia. Um, the content and skills tend to be touched upon in other curriculum areas, such as like social emotional learning, um, health and digital technologies. So look, students might hear about or cover some specific topic about online safety, but we find that it's really very brief and it's uh, certainly not in depth. The other thing that we find is kids might get one very specific piece of information, for example, use a complex password, uh, but that's not levelled for age. So kids under the age of sort of year two, for them to use upper and lower case letters and shift symbols is really tricky. It's just one piece of a very, very complex um, puzzle and broad range of skills that should be taught um, comprehensively. Mm. And progressively. Progressively, that's it. And I think I mean, what we see uh, schools do is sort of adopt a real patchwork of approaches because there is no clear online safety curriculum and resource for teachers to use. So schools tend to cover it. Um, they might have to tick off a box in their strategic plan saying that they've done online safety. So that might look like in a school, a national awareness day, like celebrating Safer Internet Day, which is a great place to start, but not in isolation. Um, acceptable user agreements, which we've spoken about before, you know, a form that's often not age appropriate. The child doesn't understand and the onus is really on the parent or carer to explain to them, you know, what it means. Uh, or, you know, if some schools can afford it, they might be lucky enough to um, get a trusted e-safety provider to come in and talk. But again, in isolation, not enough. And we say it's like training for a marathon by going for a run around the block once. So if I school does run a program about cyber safety 
how much do they cover about specific risks like pornography and sexting and grooming? Cyber safety programs like ours in a primary school setting cover those topics, but in an age appropriate way. I know you love that word, <laughs> appropriate, because, and this is why I think sometimes teachers are scared of uh, teaching these topics because they don't know how to address it with the different age groups. But um, so an example of what it might look like in a primary school, if it is being taught, is rather than talking about sexting or like sending nudes, we talk about, you know, asking permission before taking and sharing pictures or videos, keeping private parts, um, you know, out of public spaces, being fully dressed in front of our webcam. So lots of teachers would have covered that through remote learning um, and keeping devices in shared spaces, providing the building blocks to go into those topics when we get into, you know, older year levels like um, year five, for example. I know the Respectful Relationships curriculum talk about um, sexting as part of their resource. Grooming is a really tricky one for primary school-aged children it's, and it's often a confusing term for adults as well because they think it relates to sort of, you know, body, body care or things like that. Um, so we tend to focus on unwanted or unsafe contact and what, you know, con dangerous contact might look like. So somebody being too friendly to you online or um, asking you for photos or asking you questions that make you feel uncomfortable. So part of that in a primary setting, again, is body safety. And the same goes for pornography. So telling younger kids, you know, that we might see things that make us, you know, worried or upset. And then if they've been using correct body part names, which is something you guys advocate for, that they're able to say, mum, when I got on my computer, I saw a penis or I saw um, something that, you know, made me feel upset or uncomfortable. And you can discuss things with very young children in a way that, you know, reflects the online world and the online experiences that they're having, but also doesn't scare them. Because I think, you know, and we've spoken about this before, like scare and shame are really such a big barrier to kids speaking up. That positive element of online safety, particularly in primary schools, comes from it being taught proactively, not reactively, which is so often the case with our time poor teachers. <laughs> and it, it, for, for teachers in schools, it's a huge time burden. So teachers are spending so much of their lunch times you know, dealing with digital drama that's often happening outside of the school. It's at home, but the implications are, you know, that it's exploding in the classroom or the mm. yard and, and student well-being is really um, being impacted. Mm. This notion that having an internet filter ticks things off. So because you've got an internet filter at home, you don't need to have online safety chats because does the school's responsibility stop because they have an internet filter and the rest of these problems and, you know, negative incidences are happening mostly at home. Why is the school responsible? But I think what we're missing there is the amazing opportunity that we have to cover this stuff to minimise harms from happening, but also, again, doing it proactively really does save time from a, you know, from a school perspective in the long run. Well, that's my last question. How well do you think schools do provide protection? I think there is a lot of reliance on that filters and sexy things can't come through at school and um, bullying is observed and blocked at school. How well do you think schools provide protection? 
I think we need to really understand that schools and teachers are doing the best they can with what they have. Something to consider is that schools don't have a tech that's there every day, particularly Victorian state schools. They're lucky to get a day. So if you've got a tech in there for one day a week, that's a lot of stuff for them to manage when they come in. Um, the internet filters that are in use are really good, but they also rely on teachers suggesting sites that should be added to the blacklist as well. Teacher supervision of devices is something that's really promoted. So making sure that you're looking at student screens, we see that. But again, you want kids to go and work off in, in, in small groups and visually being able to supervise their screen isn't always possible. Mobile phone policies is another one. So making sure that, yeah, you might have your internet filter on, but if kids have got mobile phones in the yard at lunchtime, that's on their own SIM card and they can, you know, look up whatever they want. We, we see kids, you know, looking at pornography in the yard on mobile phones or accessing, um, you know, explicit materials, taking photos and sharing things on social media at lunchtime from the school when they shouldn't. <laughs> You know, from a teaching perspective, it's duty of care. You need to make sure that your students are safe when they're at school. And if they've got mobile phones in the yard, you can't do that. So they need to be, you know, handed in. That just because you've got an internet filter or parental controls on, that doesn't mean that the job is done. Those things are really great for um, protecting you, protecting students against accidental exposure or kids being a bit curious and typing penis into Google uh, but they're not going to give your child or your students the skills they need when they go to a friend's house and they see something that's really upsetting. It's not going to enable them to know that they can come and talk to you if they've seen something that's upsetting. You're not investing as a parent or teacher in your own skills to help students navigate those spaces together and to support them. So Beck says that cyber safety sessions can be sporadic and often skim over specific risks and are more likely to be reactive than proactive when it comes to sexual behaviour online. Sexual Health Victoria delivers specific information about sex and sexuality. So how does this tie in with cyber safety information? Here's my colleague, Andrea. Thanks for talking to me, Andrea. So can you just list all the, all the topics that we cover in relationships and sexuality education? Yeah, we cover a lot. So from foundation through to year nine and 10 under the curriculum and then in the, the personal development programs with our senior kids as well. So topics like consent, growing up, those physical, social and emotional changes all the way through. Our relationships, healthy relationships, which includes sexual relationships as they're growing up as well. Values and beliefs are so always young people and checking into their family beliefs and, and their personal beliefs and, and making sure they're comfortable with their decision making. And then, of course, health, so sexual and reproductive health as well. Do you think schools make the connection of relationships and sexuality education being a protective factor online for young people? Oh, look, I think that is probably an emerging understanding for some educators. I think they do understand the concept of how much time kids are spending online and, and you know, that they do spend a long, lot of time, whether it's gaming or whether it's scrolling. But the link between RSE and what their online behaviours, maybe not so much. The We know that young people, when they're entering relationships, it's not all about just face-to-face. -face. 
And just like we'd want our young people to have all the, the information and skills to make good decisions in their physical relationships, we want them to have information and skills to make good decisions when they're online and interacting as well. It's a bit of a generation gap, isn't it? Because adults see online is something quite different and young people see it as the same the online world is the real world yeah exactly it's not a standalone thing and in a way it actually means that they can get to know people and understand people without the awkwardness of possibly being in front of someone so it provides really good opportunities for young people as well to have positive interactions online and get to know others as well so when it comes to teaching young people about online safety, what do you think could be done better? And all that we need to look at this through a whole school approach, cross-curriculum, and that we need to not only uh, be talking to our young people, uh, we need to be learning from our young people, really understanding the technologies. You're not going to be able to understand every single app that's out there and the changing, accelerating technologies but understanding that the behaviours, the values, the choices, the decisions that they're making come back to those healthy relationships. So making decisions ethically and talking about that in every subject, not just health and PE. Mandy, Beck and Andrea have all confirmed my own experience in schools that there is an opportunity in the curriculum to talk about sexual behaviour online but it can be so widely interpreted that it can be missed. When it comes to sexual content, teachers need confidence, support from leadership, training and time to deliver this well, and ideally weave these themes across a young person's schooling. Parents and carers have such a big role to play in providing that ethical framework through which we navigate the world and being a safe place to go if they get it wrong. In the next episode, I'm going to be looking at what is, in my mind, the most overused and least helpful word when it comes to talking about sexual content online, inappropriate. For more information on Sexual Health Victoria, you can go to shvic.org.au. For research, information and resources on e-safety, go to esafety.gov. I'm going to put some links to Resilience, Rights and Respectful Relationships Curriculum. It's a resource on FUSE and Evolve Education in the episode notes. You're welcome to contact me at doingit at shvic.org.au. Like the podcast if you like it and look out for the next episode. Thanks so much for listening.